Today on Living in the Word with Dr. Gary Yates. None of the Mosaic Law, none of the 613 commandments are directly binding on us today. However, all 613 commandments are applicable to us as the Word of God. They teach us principles, they give us wisdom for how God wants us to live as His people. Hi, I'm Gary Yates, the pastor of Living Word Baptist Church in Forest, Virginia. Uh, we are studying through the biblical covenants, and this is our last study on the Mosaic Covenant in our last session. And we've taken some time on this covenant because of the importance and, and sometimes difficulty that Christians have in reading this. I, I want to try to answer this specific question. How does the Mosaic Law apply to us today as New Testament believers? As we're thinking about this to set the stage, there are two passages that I think we want to keep in mind. In Matthew 5, on the one hand, Jesus says that he did not come to abolish the law, but that he came to uh, fulfill the law and to fulfill the law and the prophets. He did fulfill the law, but the law also has continuing validity and authority for the rest of time. On the other hand, we have passages in Romans and Galatians where Paul says that we are no longer under the law and that we're no longer living under the Mosaic covenant that ended with Christ. Now, as we, as we think through this issue of applying the law, Christians are often accused uh, of picking and choosing based on their preferences and prejudices, which parts of the law that we want to apply and, and which parts we want to ignore. So this idea commonly comes out in what is referred to as the shellfish argument that you'll often hear in popular culture. And so the, the idea is if Christians have no problem eating shellfish that was prohibited by the, the Mosaic law as an unclean food, then why do they insist that the laws about same-sex relationships and, and, and other things like this in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, why are those things still valid for today? So do we just pick and choose? And, and the reality is that we are not picking and choosing uh, but, but simply, we are attempting to apply the law in a biblically informed way. Uh, we recognize as Christians the authority of the New Testament, and we are using the New Testament as our authoritative guide for which teachings in the law are still binding for today and those that are not. The New Testament affirms that what the law says about uh, same-sex relationships in passages uh, like Leviticus in 18 and 20, are still valid. Those, those things are reaffirmed in the New Testament, in Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 6, and other passages. But on the other hand, the New Testament teaches us that the law about clean and unclean foods, those, those laws and commandments have served their purpose and do not need to be practiced today. So we use the, the, the New Testament to help us as the grid. But I think there's also some important concepts that we have to keep in mind as we think about uh, applying the law to our lives today. Um, first of all, we need to understand the Mosaic Covenant was a temporary covenant. It had an expiration date. Unlike the other major covenants in the Bible, this was a covenant that clearly had a distinct ending point uh, or time of termination. The covenant began uh, between God and Israel at Mount Sinai. The covenant arrangement came to an end with the death of Jesus on the cross. The covenant, the Mosaic covenant, was with Israel as a specific group of people, specific time, specific place, and specific culture, uh, and, and it had a unique purpose in the working out of salvation history. 
The law directed and regulated Israel's covenant relationship with the Lord, but the purpose of the covenant, or one of the purposes of the covenant, was also to prepare the way for the coming of Christ. And when he fulfilled the law, that purpose of the covenant came to an end, and the purpose of the law. Um, The Mosaic law, uh, because of the fact that it was given to this specific group of people at a specific time, was not always uh, God's final expression of his perfect moral and ethical standards. And and here, here are some examples of that. The laws about divorce or debt slaves or the way that Israel was to conduct war uh, or to treat female prisoners of war when they did, what a husband was supposed to do if he suspected his wife of adultery, Numbers chapter 5, what happened if a man forced himself on a young virgin, None of those things are a final expression of the perfect will of God because this law was for a specific time and a specific place. It was for Israel as they lived in the culture of the ancient Near East, and the law was designed in a special way to meet that culture where it was at and to raise the ethical bar in Israel so that Israel could be a witness to the people around them. Uh, The law in that culture also provided special protections for women in a patriarchal culture, but the law is not the final or ultimate standard given to us in Scripture uh, on all matters that it speaks to. Um, There was also within the law a built-in adaptability as God revealed more and more of himself and more of his standards to the people, or as there were changes in context and culture that related to the application of the law. One example of this is that the law in Leviticus uh, says that uh, all Israelites were required to slaughter any animal that they wanted to use for food uh, at the central sanctuary. Now, that practice and custom worked fine as long as Israel was in the wilderness together, but the law changes when we move to Deuteronomy and the people are living in the land and many of them are living in places that are not near the sanctuary. Then, at that point, they were only required to make sure that the blood was properly drained from the the meat that they ate uh, and and the animals that they slaughtered. So there are other examples of how the law in in Deuteronomy reflects specifically how Israel was to live in the land after the time of Moses uh, or, 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 or things that reflect the culture and urban context of Israel in the land. The law had that kind of flexibility built into it. The ultimate demonstration of that, uh, of that adaptability is when we move to the New Testament. And, and there we see uh, the, the law of Moses being reapplied and reinterpreted through the teaching and the law of Jesus. Jesus lived under the Mosaic law as a Jew. Much of the law comes directly over in the teaching of Jesus uh, and in the New Testament as a whole. Nine of the Ten Commandments are directly restated in the New Testament but there are also adjustments and developments related to the new setting and circumstances of the new covenant. The food laws and sacrifices are no longer in place. The boundary markers that distinguished Israel from other people as God's chosen people are no longer uh, necessary. The ethical standards uh, of the law are often elevated in light of the revelation that we have in the New Testament. The Mosaic law was never eradicated. It was never abolished. It's still the eternal word of God for the teaching and instruction of believers today. But there is, a, there is adaptation and revision within the law. And so for us as believers, we do read the law through the grid and the filter and the lens of the New Testament. 
And this new revelation from God affects the way that we read and apply the earlier application and the commandments to our lives. So I think we have to keep that adaptability in front of us as we think about how the law applies today. The law is still the word of God, but the details of the law you know, that were given at its, in its original setting reflect the time and culture in what it was given as well. We have to keep the, the covenantal issues uh, in mind as well. The Mosaic Covenant was for Israel, and that covenant was abolished uh, with the death of Jesus. The Mosaic Covenant is not for the church. The, the Mosaic Law regulated and enforced the covenant, but that covenant is no longer in place. So that's what Paul is talking about in Galatians and Romans when he says that we are no longer under the law. We're no longer under the Mosaic Covenant and no, under, no longer under the law in the way that it regulated Israel's relationship with God. We are no longer under the curses of the law uh, and, and the specific arrangement that God had with Israel. So in addressing how the law applies to believers today, one of the traditional approaches that Christians have often used is to divide the law into the categories of moral, civil, and ceremonial. Okay, moral, civil, ceremonial, so ceremonial. And, and, and to stress that the moral laws are still binding today, but the civil and ceremonial laws were just for Israel and are no longer binding on us. Now, in some ways, that's a helpful way of thinking of permanent and temporary aspects of the law, but those classifications and those three divisions have some problems as well. The laws were not labeled or organized by those categories. That's, that's not terminology that we find in the law itself. It's hard to tell where some laws might fit into one of those, or, or do they fit into one of those single categories? Do not boil a kid in its mother's milk. Is that a ceremonial law or is it a moral law? And there are at least a number of these laws that would fall into one or more of the more than one of those categories. Now, in light of some of those issues, um, I, I, I would encourage us to think about um, that the best approach here would be able to would be to take a principle or a paradigm approach to the Mosaic Law. Uh, and, and, and in this principle or paradigm approach, none of the Mosaic Law, none of the 613 commandments are directly binding on us today because we're no longer under the Mosaic Covenant. However, all of the laws and all 613 commandments are applicable to us as the Word of God. They teach us principles. They give us wisdom for how God wants, to wants us to live as His people. If the law is repeated or reaffirmed in some way in the New Testament, then the application is direct and, and, and can be directly applied. If that's not the case, the law or the commandment can still be applied as a general principle. So we're not required to live out the details of the law in the way that Israel was as they were under the covenant, but the law still applies to us as godly wisdom or as general principles about living and, and sometimes reflects even prophecies about Christ. So here's the way this works. The Mosaic law says, do not commit adultery. The New Testament repeats that. It, refer, it says, do not commit adultery or sexual immorality. That law can be applied directly. It's restated in the New Testament. However, even when there is not that kind of restatement or affirmation, the law still teaches principles, all of it, all 613 commandments. 
Deuteronomy 22.8, we are not required to build little fences uh, uh, or parapets around our roofs on the houses to keep people from falling off of them. But that law does teach the principle that we are required to look out for the welfare and well-being of our neighbors. We are not required to allow people to to glean in our cornfields and tomato patches, but we are required to share what we have with the poor and the needy and our neighbors and to do so in a way that values their work and their contribution. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we are not required to give burnt offerings and sacrifices, but the law teaches the principle that we are to present our very lives as living sacrifices to God. Leviticus 19.28 does not require Christians to avoid tattoos, but that commandment does teach us the principle that we are to avoid the pagan associations that were behind the tattoos that are prohibited in that verse. We are no longer required to keep the feast of Passover, but the Passover laws remind us that Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us. Now, it's interesting that Paul is the one who tells us that we are no longer under the law, but in his letters, he is also the one who makes constant appeals to the law for how we should live our lives as believers. And I think we see uh, uh, an illustration of how this works uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, and then uh, somewhat of a restatement of that in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 18. And in both of those passages, Paul derives a principle from uh, the commandment that is found in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4. And and this this law in Deuteronomy 25, verse 4, is about farming and animals. And it says that you are not to muzzle an ox when he is treading grain. Now, we're no longer under that law in terms of farming techniques, but Paul uses that law to teach a really interesting principle. He goes from something lesser to something greater, and he says... If the law teaches us that oxen should be allowed to eat while they are working, then we should make sure that we are financially taking care of pastors and missionaries so that they can eat while they are working as well. So he's not applying the law directly and saying, you have to do this practice, but he is deriving a principle that gives us godly wisdom. And as we read the law and as we, as we study it and understand its purpose and meaning, we can derive these same kind of principles when we understand the law in its original context and then read that law in light of the teachings and principles of the New Testament. Christians are not randomly picking and choosing how they apply, to the, law, uh, how they apply the law to their lives. Uh, they, are, they are using the New Testament as, the, as their authoritative guide. And like all of God's word, the law of Moses teaches and trains us in righteousness. It gives us godly wisdom. It was a good gift to Israel, and it remains a good gift for us today as well.